Hello and welcome to this episode of Root of the Matter, a podcast that digs deeper into Tennessee agriculture. I'm Thomas Caps. Trade is always on the mind of farmers, as it's essential to getting a portion of their products into consumer hands. Everyone remembers the trade war with China and the issues brought to farmers as a result. Now the U.S. is facing the largest trade deficit ever recorded. We talked with Dr. Andrew Muhammad with the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture about why this is and what it means for Tennessee farmers. Trade, you know, during the Trump administration, trade really came to the forefront for a lot of people, the trade wars and everything. And um, haven't heard quite as much about that over the last couple of years, but trade always a, a big part of agriculture. And as we're wrapping up 2023 and going into 2024, what are things looking like on the trade front as we head into a new year? All right. And so, yeah, no, no, you're, you're 100% correct. Uh, international trade is about 20% of U.S. agricultural sales. And it depends on the commodity, actually. Um, we export almost 80% of the cotton we produce, 50% of the soybeans we produce. Um, and so, and then even for, say, the livestock products, say like poultry, which is about 14%, or beef, which is about 11%, we're talking about billions of dollars and tens of billions of dollars in export. Right? And so, uh, but the thing is, we did go through a negative period during the trade war. We seem to have come out of it. Now, mind you, we went from the trade war into a global pandemic, and we seem to have come out of it in 2021. And in fact, that may have been a record year in 2022, may have been a record year. But here's what we're seeing now, that overall export sales are down in terms of value as well as volume in 2023. And the USDA is forecasting an even greater decline in 2024. And in fact, uh, the decline is so severe that um, we may experience the largest agricultural trade deficit we've seen throughout the history of the USDA tracking agricultural trade. And mind you, why this is important is because we've been a, a net exporting country for the most part for just decades. And so now I think that trade deficit in agricultural and food products is predicted to be maybe like 26, 27 billion in 2024. And that's due to a host of issues that we could talk about during the interview. Yeah, so I'm sure that's multi-layered as to why that is, but kind of big picture, why are we looking at such a potential big deficit going into 2024? It's amazing, right? So partly it's because it's the lingering effects of the trade war. And you might say, well, how so? It's because we negotiated a phase one trade deal with China that only that committed China to certain purchases for a two-year period, and that's ended. The second thing as it relates to the trade war is as a result, China did a lot of investing in South America, Brazil in particular, um, to help sort of diversify the countries that it buys agricultural products from. And then on top of that, Brazil has emerged as a major competitor, whether it's cotton, corn, soybeans, wheat, beef, all of our major exports, Brazil has either surpassed the United States or are at least on par with the United States. And then just overall, we've seen some slowdown in global demand. But for the most part, if I had to sort of 
sort of give the two big picture reasons. It's the rise of South America as a major agricultural powerhouse, and it's China's attempt to decouple from the United States. So what what potentially could be done to address that? Is it just simply engaging with other nations to become new trade partners, re-engaging with China? Um, what, what do you see as a potential solution to, to face this problem? All right, so one of the things is the USDA has already actually started this. So they have what's called the RAP program, R-A-P-P, um, do not press me to tell you what that acronym sort of is word for word, but it's a, an export promotion program. $1.2 billion um, authorized by the secretary for promotional activities for food and agriculture. And, um, and one of the things that's specified in the program is these promotion activities cannot be in traditional export markets for the U.S., so Canada, Mexico, Japan, China, right? but they want uh, producer groups to focus on Southeast Asia, and so there's significant growth, economic growth in that region, whether it's Malaysia, Singapore, Vietnam, the Philippines, and the U.S. would like to sell more into that market. South Asia, India obviously is growing, and the U.S. would like to sell there. And so very much like China, the U.S. is also trying to diversify its export destinations, very much like China is trying to diversify the countries where it buys its agricultural imports from. And so I, one could argue that this new type of program to diversify export sales could make up for lost sales in markets like China. But the one thing is when you look at the data, uh, U.S. export sales are down across almost all destination markets. And a big part of that, one could argue, is just sort of a decline in global demand that more likely than not will recover as the global economy improves. And uh, we saw just with, with the, the yields of, of the, the products, the commodities being produced by farmers in America, they're producing more than ever. Uh, so yeah. if, we, if there's not a place for them to go, uh, what does that ultimately mean for, for the American farmer? And even more locally, what does that mean for the Tennessee farmer? Right. Well, the, the good thing about um, bulk agricultural commodities in, in one sense is that – Global prices are highly correlated, so a drought in Australia is going to have an effect on not just beef prices in Australia, but beef prices globally. Um, the U.S. is a large country, and so um, here's the thing to know. It's not so much about sort of excess supply within our markets domestically that's an issue. It's much more about sort of is the world producing too much, right, because one could argue, as long as there glo is there global demand somewhere, then um, bulk commodities will find its market. Now, the unfortunate thing is that uh, there's some adjustment costs, and yes, prices may adjust downward somewhat to help to facilitate these new sales. And so one could argue that there may be some downward price adjustments to facilitate um a shift in trade flows from one country to another. Um, but then the other thing 
it could actually be the case to where even though yields are quite high, um, that our agricultural supply overall may not be in any excess capacity to put downward pressure on prices. And that's, that's yet to be seen. And then the other thing is I have not seen the last quarter data, um, but we don't quite know what, say, soybean export sales to China in November and December look like. Um, this is usually our sort of highest export in season. So a big part of, of, of what appeared to have been lost export sales in 2023 may actually be made up in the last quarter. But we won't know that until maybe the end of January, early February. So I guess just to kind of wrap up, looks like 2024, uh, definitely some uncertainty there, but uh, maybe some some promise as well with the potential of, of those new, um, maybe not new trade partners, but at least uh, exporting more to, to new countries. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, be very fair to say. And, uh, and even if it's not fully realized in 2024, I think the trade war taught us that being so reliant on a single destination market for a significant share of agricultural export sales um, was certainly not wise if you're going to actually engage in sort of tensions and political discourse in a trade war. And so the point is, I think we didn't have the leverage in the agricultural sector for that trade war, but the truth is China didn't have the leverage. I think both sides lost. Um, And so... Yeah, even if it takes more than 2024, if it's not fully realized until, say, 2025 or even 2026, um, there's a positive story in diversifying export sales, in my opinion. Good deal. Any other final thoughts or anything else you'd like to say? Yeah, I think the one thing I will say is that um, thinking about Brazil moving forward, my question for um, just those who sort of are in this area, is this, uh, is this agricultural growth in Brazil sustainable, right? We're talking about double, triple cropping systems, um, an encroachment on the Amazon. Um, the, the real question becomes, if, if this isn't sustainable in the long run, then the U.S. will once again reclaim its status as a major agricultural exporter or as the agricultural exporter. Because even if Brazil has surpassed us in certain categories, we're still right up there with the largest agricultural exporting country in the world. Because a lot of those commodities that you mentioned that Brazil has kind of hopped on board growing is grown right here in Tennessee, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Primarily cotton, but clearly we do corn. We do some soybeans. Um, We don't finish a lot of beef. In Tennessee, but clearly we we do at least uh, raise feeder cattle to a certain degree. Um, so yeah, but particularly cotton. That's the, that was the surprise for me. And in fact, USDA is forecasting record cotton yields, record planted acreage, and record um, and near record um, harvest. Uh, however, they're putting it for Brazil in terms of cotton this coming year. That's one of the reasons why I think they're seeing an even greater decline. But yeah, I mean, but but a lot of the cotton is the biggest force. But something we don't think about is where we really sort of, we're probably one of the most competitive states in this regard. And that's mainly driven by Jack Daniels, um, 
with distilled spirits, whiskey in particular, it's considered whiskey is considered agriculture by USDA, and it's one of the things that sort of keeping Tennessee agricultural exports in the black these coming years because of how much we export in terms of whiskey and distilled spirits. Well, Dr. Muhammad, thank you for your for your time and perspective. We appreciate it, and uh, always interesting to talk trade. I always think it's uh, it's fascinating. A little scary to talk about at times, but uh, fascinating for sure. No, no, thank you very much, and I, I appreciate the opportunity. You take care.